Blog Talk Radio. Have a good effort, Tim Tomaschek. Tim, a lot of times we've had you not only. Coming at you live is the standing eight count, and it starts now. Before the first round, I'll make a back down. I'm coming for the ground, and no, we don't back down. I'll beat the track down, screaming loud, the crowd's gonna react. Wow, pound for pound, I'm the best in this game, man, hands down. The way I stand out, ain't looking for a handout. I'm undisputed, gassed up, and never ran out. I'm underrated, undefeated, and look to branch out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again. Standing eight count, coming at you live. Once again, Sunday night, and boy, oh boy, Elijah, is this going to be a Bobby Pacquiao sniper type show or what? (laughs) (laughs) As I accidentally played our old opening almost, I'm glad nobody got to hear, my wife's going to need a new hip, she's going to feel the pain. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I... Look, obviously the the big news over the weekend is Showtime. Adrian Bronner, Jesse Vargas had a tremendous fight. And the outcome I don't I don't know how to even really start talking about this. I mean Canelo might know. Canelo? Okay, I guess I can try to do that. Um as I'm looking at the Takate Gennady Golovkin thing I got from the the way in that I was at. Uh, Adrian Bronner has exuded to me, Elijah, a new level of bitch assness that I've never seen before. One that I only thought he could outdo himself, or a Julio Cesar Chavez talking about not losing to uh, Fonfara when he got annihilated. Um, it blew my mind, and obviously we'll talk about it, you know, second half of the show or so. But uh, without really getting too much into it, so we can save it. Were you as dumbfounded or taken aback as I was, or am I already blowing this out of proportion? Man, I don't know. I didn't really. It's just typical Adrian Bronner in my eyes. I mean, he had to. He had this, like, kind of make up for his semi lackluster performance somehow. And obviously, that was after, after the fight, you know? So it didn't surprise me one bit. It's just, it's just what he does to keep himself relevant. It, it felt to me, Elijah, like a, like he even more over the top, um, performance on the microphone than normal. Like some of the stuff he said, just I couldn't believe what he was saying. Like I don't know, I just we'll get into it. We'll get into it. And yeah. as. as before uh one three four seven eight five seven ten sixty is the number. We're gonna take Collins on the Broner debacle. I know there's a couple people that are gonna probably call in and want to talk about it. Um I mean he was making some very derogatory comments that you don't say in twenty eighteen. Uh no. on top real I mean he was just <laughs> and I, I can't wait to give give my scorecard because it's going to be even even better for my mind. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the great showing from Giovanna Davis and the great showing from Mr. Charlo himself against Hugo Centeno. Uh, Centeno, 
Uh, Jesus Cuellar uh, came in against Shavana Davis, too. So we're going to talk about those two fights. Also, Amir Khan, Phil Greco. Phil Greco. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> this guy, you know, I'm going to bring this to you, Elijah. In the, in the words, uh, in one of the segments from Sportscast, Phil Greco might be the epitome of this. He might be the epitome of a spit take. Because this dude sold the fight so well. Only to, uh, well, we'll get into that when the time comes, because that was, that was hilarious. Uh, I mean, he, he got outclassed. Oh, my God. I mean, what, 40 seconds? He sold the great, he sold the, he sold the great fight to not even land one punch. Oh, my God. And when, when he took that initial knee, when he got hit with that right hook and stood up like, come on, don't count that. And then. The ref was like, no, you almost fell out the ring. This fight is over. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad he did, because that dude, Phil Greco is literally up there with my Adrian Broner and uh, Julio Cesar Chavez list now. They finally got themselves a new running mate for that that Mount Rushmore. Also, we need to discuss, it's finally official, Cinco de Mayo. No longer on pay-per-view now, just on HBO. And it was moved out of Vegas to California. Gennady Gennadyevich Golovkin taking on Vane's Mario Rosen. I want to get Elijah's opinion on this, if it's going to be competitive. Are we happy with it? Is I mean, obviously it's better than some. Could we have wanted more? And what does this do with the outcome from the Charlo fight? Also with Derevi and Chenko as the IBF mandatory. And now with Canelo in the fall. I want to kind of just analyze and talk and see where we think Golovkin might be going after this fight on Cinco de Mayo. Also, we will give our predictions, discuss the Daniel Jacobs, uh, Maze Suliecki fight, and the Jarrell Big Baby Miller versus Johan Duhapis. Um, that will be happening over the weekend on HBO, as, long, or as well as the ESPN show that will be headlined by Jesse Magdaleno taking on Isaac Dogbo and the Bryant Jennings versus Joey Dawejo fight. So we got, we got some good fights this weekend leading into May, which is kind of whenever things start setting up and going. So we're going to preview, pick those as well, kind of talk, you know, news and rumors if we have time as to what else is going on throughout the world of boxing. But when we come back shortly after the break here, uh, once we see this gentleman call in, Liza, who's coming on the next next amount of time here? Well, he was the, the main event or at the at the last PBC at the one of the last PBC shows, the like first one to happen in Minneapolis in like 41 years. Um, people know him as Jamal Shango James, so he he's supposed to be coming on about 10:10, and we're gonna interview him. I can't. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Jamal James defeated Abel Ramos in the main event of the PBC show on FS1 Friday the 13th. Represent Minnesota. Get the main event W. We're talking to him. Before we get that done, though, we got to pay a couple bills. We're going to take our first break here. Alex, coming at you, discussing the good guys over at FML Solutions, letting you know what you need this fall with your deer hunting ways because they got something that's right up your alley. This is Standing Account. Be right back. Looking to get a head start on deer hunting season? Let FML Solutions point you in the right direction. 
Hi, Alex from Strong Style Media here, letting our listeners know deer season just got a heck of a lot easier. FML Solutions offer a fantastic deer stand that only takes 30 minutes to assemble and disassembles with no tools required. The best part, though, is its ingenious design allows it to double as a cart to haul your trophy back to the truck. FML Solutions is a made-in-the-USA product manufactured right here in Minnesota. Check out FML Solutions on Facebook by searching FML Solutions INC and visit FMLSolutionsInc.com to learn more about this innovative deer stand. Most people would consider this illegal. 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 What was mere vision suddenly became a reality. When you put a bunch of entities together and you bundle into one giant conglomerate, Baby, you get strong style media. My name is Ryan Cook. I'm the chairman of our company, and I'm here to tell you that each and every week, Sunday through Thursday night, we give you the best in radio. For boxing needs, standing eight count radio. For pro wrestling, we got WrestleCast. We got your sports knowledge covered with SportsCast. You like movies? The pop cultures are where it's at. And for all your local hip-hop, so the sound radio. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate, share, follow everything you got. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Tune, and that more. We are Strong Style. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. You won't see these folks at the post office. They have businesses to run. They have passions to pursue. How do they avoid trips to the post office? Stamps.com. Mail letters. Ship packages. All the services of the post office right on your computer. Get a four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com today. Hey, Alex Mello here, host of The Pop Culturist on the Strong Style Media Network, inviting you to join myself alongside Half Pint Kyle Adams as we discuss all the latest news and reviews in movies, music, and television. Check us out every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Also, you can check out the Pop Culturist archives on Blog Talk Radio, Search Bar, Strong Style Media, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in and Google Play to hear all the eclectic offerings here at Strong Style Media. We are conglomerates. What are we looking at here? Lists all over the safety thing. Third-party background checks for drivers. 24-7 trust and safety team. Critical response line. All right, List, you can play at this game. What if we had a safe word? What about boba? No. What if you actually wanted boba? It's got to be more exotic. What's your wife's name? Oh, Barbara? Safe words, Barbara. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Last time that I checked, check, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, check, I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter meal, no sweat. Last time that I checked. I'm the streets voice out west, legendary self-made progress. Last time that I checked, first get the money, the respect, and the power in the halls come next. Last time that I checked, I've been self-made from the dribble. Standing in Kelpak, Elijah. Last time that I checked, 
the commercials didn't work, but this time they worked, and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm jacked listening to a little Nipsey coming in from break instead of, uh, I don't know what listened to last time. Nintendo, Nintendo raps. I don't, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Little Yachty. <laughs> no! Get one of these again. Where'd it go? There, click it. <laughs> or, or, as always... Oh, Bob Aram. Um, <laughs> Bob Aram wasn't wasn't the center of attention on this. Uh, um, we're just going to keep moving on here. We we uh, we'll get to the interview, I'm sure, at some point here. But we're just going to keep rocking and rolling instead uh, as of right now. But um, Eddie Hearn, that has a, a man that has been definitely on the the tip of our tongues of anger in the last few months, was center stage uh, over in the UK this weekend. Oh, here we go. Let's. Uh, I, I I believe we are uh, rocking and rolling here. Jamal, are you with us? Yeah, yeah. Hello. Hey, hey. how you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on, man? What's happening? Not much. Thanks for thanks for coming on tonight, man. We really appreciate it. We've been trying to kind of hook this thing up for a while, so it's, I'm glad we're glad you're finally on. Oh, no doubt, man. Thank you for having me, man. Sorry, I caught a little late. I was I was in the car, just pulled up, parked somewhere so I could call. Oh no, it's all good, man. So yeah, no, I'm no start, rush whatsoever. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start things off and talk about you because um, we'll get to the boxing stuff later or later on when we're in the interview. I want to talk more okay. about like you as a person and like what you do for the community and just what the whole uh, circle of discipline mantra is and how you guys are kind of trying to be more about just boxing and also just kind of trying to be in the community and trying to help other people out and be good mentors and all that type of stuff. So Yeah, most definitely, man. I'll give you the scoop. You know, I was brought down to the circle of discipline when I was about five years old. My mother brought me down there. Uh, At the time, her and my biological father, you know, they was going through whatever they was going through, and she didn't. She wanted me around, you know, positive male role models, you know, growing up on the south side, Minneapolis at that time, you know, centrified now, but at that time it was a rough area and there's a lot of traps for kids, you know, young men and women get caught up, you know, in, in the streets and stuff. So she brought me down to the circle, and uh, I just kind of fell in love with the sport, man. You know, right away you hear the sound of the speed bag, you know, banging see the guys hitting the bag and sparring and working out. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys uh, that paved the way for me that I looked up to took the time out of their workout schedule and, and their lives to teach me lessons, not only just in boxing, but, you know, life lessons. And um, it stuck with me, you know what I mean? I've had numerous, you know, uh, thoughts about what my life would have been if I didn't go down to the circle when I did, you know what I mean? If I didn't stick with it, I don't know what I'd be doing out here. You know, I, when I when I was a kid, I had a little bit of a temper, you know, and <laughs> trip out and stuff like that and get into school fights and all that type of stuff, you know. But uh, it really calmed me down, you know. A lot of people who don't know boxing uh, obviously have an outlook that it's a very violent sport you know, and it's just teaching kids how to fight and hurt people, 
but really when you study on it and you learn about what it really does for kids, it almost does the exact exact opposite. If you got a kid who's a bully in school and you bring him to a boxing gym and they got good coaches and stuff, you find that he starts to calm down in school because he no longer feels the need to prove himself that he's, you know, a big kid or he's a tough guy in the school because he proves it in the gym every day if he's training. You know what I mean? And if you yeah, got a kid who's and if you got a kid who's shy and is, you know, more prone to get bullied, when he comes down to the gym and does these workouts and he starts to feel more confident with his own body and his own natural ability to box and stuff, he becomes more confident with it himself mentally, physically, and spiritually. And he becomes more outspoken and more willing to stand up for himself, you know what I mean, and uh, and uh, has a better self-respect for himself. So, you know, it works for both type of characters. And I've seen this happen with a lot of my friends as I was growing up in the circle and a lot of the kids that I was able to, you know, give back to and mentor. So it's just an amazing uh, uh, work of art, how, how boxing can really change somebody's lives, you know. And um, yeah. that's what we're about with the circle. You know, boxing is the biggest program down there, amateur boxing is. But we're really about teaching life lessons to young men and women, you know, and it's open to everybody. So, you know, we got a lot of adults that come down there as well, you know, just to work out and to give back and to, you know, to learn learn certain things too. But, you know, the main focus when it opened up and kind of still is, is working with inner city youth, you know what I mean, or or troubled youth, I should say. We got a lot of kids who come from, you know, low-income communities and families, um, sometimes broken homes. You know, sometimes, you know, they got their mom and their dad, but they might have a ton of siblings, and, you know, they might be one of the older ones, and they don't, they aren't, they aren't able to get the time they wish they could get from their parents because their parents are too busy, you know, have, trying to provide for the rest of the family, which, you know, which, which is understandable. Yeah, and I totally see that. Yeah, and the circle is... We, we we try to, and I believe we are creating a, creating a place where you know we can give you know time to those type of kids and and listen to you know any problems they might be having or concerns they might be having, and then you know give them some knowledge back. And it's not in a babying form, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. you know, because so, sometimes, if I'm gonna be real, you know, sometimes, you know. A kid needs to be told, you know, right and wrong. He needs to be told if you if you're crying too much sometimes or something like that. You know, if you try to baby a kid too much, <laughs> you know, it's just real. You know, especially yeah. in the times we live in. You know what I mean? People think that you know, uh, our, our young men or young women think that the world is old to them, and the reality is that it ain't. And when they get older, you know, they find that out, and rather trying to be you know, extra sensitive and stuff like that to to kids' needs. There's a a way to do it where you ain't got to be sensitive. You can still be caring, but you can let them know. You know, like you know, everything ain't, ain't as sweet as, as you believe it to be. 
And you got to be nope. prepared for that when you get older. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I definitely think that. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I definitely think that there there needs to be a little more emphasis on like tough love and constructive criticism. You know. Yeah. People. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you tell somebody, you know, they show you. You know, the drawing they did, and you tell them, nah, it's kind of messed up, you need to do better. And it's like you breaking their whole heart, and now they hate you forever, and they want to, you know, kids mess around and trip out and shoot up schools and stuff or other stuff. And I'm not saying you should be, you know, uh, a jerk, but you can't be super sensitive, you know, because once you get older, reality is, you know, people... As an adult, you know, people ain't going to care like that. <laughs> you know, your close no. people will care like that. You know, you got you to gotta get people ready for that. You know what I mean? That's just a reality. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, so they can take that constructive criticism. So if somebody's a jerk to them or a-hole to them, they know how to deal with it accordingly without, you know, losing their cool or, you know, like I said, tripping out and trying to, you know, come back to work or school or whatever else shoot up everybody um, yeah and you know the circle that's why boxing works so good too because you can't lose your cool in boxing you know what I mean if you get hit and lose your cool and try to rush somebody then you'll end up running into five or six more punches and potentially getting knocked out yeah. you know one of our models in the ring is you don't get mad you get even so you know if somebody hits you you know get your, get your stuff back shake it off get your hands up and then pay him back for that, you know. So, and that's you can relate that to life. Somebody, you know, is is hating on you and disrespecting you and whatever else. Okay, don't lose your cool about it. So what, you know? Come back and get them with success. Yep. Roll with the punches. There ain't no participation trophies, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> some other research no, exactly. I was doing. Uh, well, I'm, other I'm glad you chose the sport, but you don't get a trophy for choosing the sport just to be participating. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you know was, how many participation I, trophies I got when I was in elementary school and we had track and field day? <laughs> and they're like, congratulations, Ryan. Your slow ass got fifth place in track and field, but here's a glass of Kool-Aid and a ribbon. And I was like, yay. <laughs> I still was slow as hell. <laughs> but I was excited yeah, that I got man. the Kool-Aid more than the ribbon. Uh, yeah, they did I mean, nothing for me. Somebody, you you want to give them something <laughs> so they want to keep competing in something, but you don't want to boost people up like, you know, the whole world is rewarded to you just because you tried something and failed at it. You know what I mean? You tried something and you did bad at it. Okay, good job for trying, but you need to do better. You know what yeah, I mean? I would, do better. You know, if, you wanna, if you want to, if, if you're taking it serious, you know what I mean? If you, if you tried it. <laughs> You didn't do good. You either do better or you don't do it no more. Go find something that you really good at, you know? Love it. Definitely. <laughs> so one thing I was thinking when I was doing some research on COD and stuff, one thing that really impressed me about you guys is you are kind of talking about it just, re- just before, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you guys have a – it takes a, a village mentality when it comes to um, helping out the youth and steering them in the right direction. And it seems like just you guys are all about everybody helping out. No one's bigger than anyone else. And no matter how successful you are, and just giving back, giving your time. Yeah. And I, well, you're I, exactly I, I, right. You know, you're exactly right. And a lot of people that come down there come from different walks of life. You know what I mean? So they can teach 
things differently. They've they've experienced things differently than others. You know what I mean? So a kid, you know, uh, a Mexican kid is going to relate more to, you know, one of the older, you know, uh, Latino coaches down there because they come from the same type of culture and they come from Mm -hmm. the same type of background. You know what I mean? That's not to say that I'm not going to talk to that kid and try to teach him what I know. But like you said, it takes a village. You know what I mean? He can learn something from me. And, you know, he and I can learn something from him, you know, about his culture or different things that he goes through. But but he might relate more, you know, to this coach because they come from the same type of culture and same type of background. And it takes a village, you know what I mean, just like you said. And the more you have, you know, at your disposal to learn from, the better you can be as a person, as a young man or a young woman. Yeah, it's... It's it's great. So I wanted to Thank I wanted you. to kind of jump in here and uh, I wanted to kind of ask you about the boxing aspect. Obviously, you know we we got to see you come in Armory. By the way, shout out to everybody listening that was at that show. It's so nice to see all this all these people come <laughs> and watch a boxing show and fill that building. It was tremendous yes, being sir. there. Just getting into you know I, obviously you got to see everything from the ring you know the ring perspective, but even even on my end, just walking around and seeing how many people were there and how everybody was invested, it, it showed that boxing, I think, is back in Minnesota as it should be. And, and I want to thank you personally before I even ask you any questions for filling that building because you were the headliner. You were the main event. People came to see you, Shango, and it was, it was tremendous. So first and foremost, kudos from myself to you for, uh, for getting Minnesota back. That was always awesome. It was so awesome. Oh um, man, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. You know, and yeah, I, I, knew, I mean that's no, no right. my bad. And I was just saying, you know, even even you know when we talked at the press conference, I I knew when we left that building, I looked at Elijah and said, "Man, I'm telling you, there's gonna be a lot of people here, and it's gonna have a fight feel, and it's gonna be a tremendous atmosphere." And it was, it was, and, and that's why I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Yeah, man. It, you know, I felt I definitely felt the support and love, man. People came and showed out. I was surprised, you know. I was a little scared because of the weather. I thought the snow might have kept people away, but yeah. man, they packed the place up, man. And you know, that's been my whole goal is to, you know, not only show the state but to show the nation, the world that, you know, Minnesota has talented fighters who come, who train hard, who bust their tail, but we don't get the proper recognition that I feel like we should get, you know what I mean? If I was coming out of California or I was fighting out of Philly or Texas or something like that, you know, I'd probably be, you know, way farther in my career and all this other stuff, but I am from Minnesota, and I'm proud of that, you know what I mean? Minnesota, you know, growing up out of this state and and experiencing things I've, I I have experienced made me the man I am today, you know. And and I shouldn't, you know, be trying to move to no other state and change coaches and stuff just because, you know, that's what's you know suspected of me or that's what's going to move me faster along. No, you know, my 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 goal is not only to get a world title, you know what I mean, and be successful in my boxing career, but also eliminate that stigma that, you know, Minnesota is a place you go to build, you know, fighters. 
the place and, this and, is the place you go to find some of the best fighters. You know what I mean? That's the new that's the new uh reputation I want for Minnesota. We have some of the best fighters. You want you wanna to come to a place and get a good fight and know you're gonna have a run for your money, then come up here and fight in Minnesota and then you like the armory, you know what I mean? And God willing, you know, my career goes how it's supposed to. I wanna be able to bring the world title back, you know, just like Caleb Truex did. And I want to be able to fill up the Viking Stadium or in the summertime yeah. fill up Target Field or something oh, like that. Yeah. You know sick. what I mean? I got you know, I got big goals, man, and big dreams, man. If, you, if your dreams ain't, if your dreams don't scare you, they ain't big enough. You know what I mean? And that's, <laughs> that's what my mind is at. You know what I mean? I want to fill places like that up, and I want you know, I want it to be as big as you know. Uh, the NFL, you know, the Vikings is to to the state. That's how I want Minnesota boxing to be to the state. As big and as the Twins, you, as big as you know, that's how I want it. Shout, shout out to the Wild, even though we got beaten five. I'm a helpless Wild fan. Right, I right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout, out, shout out to them. It was, it was brutal, support, but it was I support all our sports, man. I support all our home teams. You know what I mean? I just want our home fighters to be as big as some of our home teams. That's all. Well, in a hundred percent with what you said with the home fighters thing, because you look at this card and literally, I mean, you know, Minnesota went what five and one on the show, which is tremendous. And the only one that wasn't a victory was one of the one of the best. Like, how do I want to say this? Like, like the the most hard I've seen in a fighter in a long time with the Sean Owen Sebastian Pindora. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do against a guy who's got 16 inches on you? You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. the, the fact he was rocking him with some heavy shots was good. Like, I walked away from that fight a bigger fan of Sean than I was going into the fight for the simple fact that I said, yo, that dude's got so much heart that he went in there, took a fight against a guy who looked like, you know, something out of Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and yeah. made it <laughs> You, you know, it was like he was fighting Groot before Groot became baby Groot. And he, he was still banging with them. And, and he didn't go down. The ref jumped in. And he ate some shots and just kept going through them. So, for me, like, I took it as an undefeated night. I mean, it was it was oh, yeah. tremendous. Oh, yeah. block with their head high. Nobody has oh, yeah. anything to be ashamed. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, too. How was it on your end, just kind of getting in there, packing a, packing a building like that, and being able to showcase Minnesota on a map with all the people you came up with in the boxing world like this? Oh man, it was a, it was an unbelievable feeling. You know what I mean? Because it's something that I've been wanting to do. It's a goal of mine that I that I wanted to accomplish, and now I did accomplish it. You know what I mean? To be able to bring big a big fight with the TVs back to Minnesota right there in the middle of the city, you know, we downtown, you know what I mean? Not to take nothing away from, you know, Hinkley or anything like that at these casinos. That's that's cool, you know what I mean? But that's like an hour and a half drive out, you know what I mean? And um, sometimes Jonathan, people don't want to drive yeah. that far out, you know what I mean? There's nothing to do after the fights. If people want to go party or have a, you know, a real good meal or whatever else they want to do, they got to do everything in the casino. If you like to gamble, okay, that's cool. You know, but, uh, you know, I don't know how it is for other people, but a lot, of, a lot of people I hang with, you know, they ain't big gamblers like that. And they like variety. <laughs> you know what I mean? like variety. <laughs> so you can come to the fight. You can see some good fights. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's more of an event than anything because 
you can go with somebody, you can go with a date, and you can talk to them. They can hear you. You know what I mean? And you can still pay attention to what's going on with the fights. And you can go get some drinks. And you can grab some food. You know what I mean? And go back to see and watch some more fights. So it's more of an event than it is just some fights. And then after that, you know, you can go out to the after parties or whatever club is, is popping. or You know what I mean? If that's something that you want to do. And it's right downtown. You can, We have numerous hotels that you can stay at. You know what I mean? So we can make this thing huge and start filling that venue every time to the point, like I said, well, we got to start getting a bigger venue. But, you know, that venue is huge, and I think that was a perfect spot for it. And hopefully that will be the home for, you know, top-notch boxing now. Um, and like you said, Minnesota fighters came, and they showed out, man. Even, you know, Rishon fights out of our gym, and, uh, out of the circle. And and he, he showed tremendous heart, you know what I mean? I think, you know, he just had – other stuff going on, you know, 70% mental. I think he had other stuff going on, and it was just a little bit harder for him to adjust to that dude, but that dude is 6'7". Yeah, dude, what are you going to be a little hard to adjust to dude that's 6'7". You ain't never going to fight no dude that's 6'7", probably yeah, ever it, again, you know what I mean? It's going to be a dude still. who's 6'7", fighting at 154, which makes it even exactly. wilder. Like, this dude's a weight class up for you. And that's not, yeah, that's, I ain't taking nothing away from that dude. He came out to fight. You know what I mean? We didn't expect him to be as good in the inside as he was. He was decent decent in the inside. You know what I mean? And he was in shape (laughs) because he caught some shots. We back up and caught him with a couple nice, big, long haymaker overhand rights. A couple of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And he took them to the chin. And kept fighting, so he came in shape, you know what I mean? So I don't want to take nothing away from the guy, but, uh, you know, Vishon, you know, he has tremendous heart. And I think, he, you know, if you guys keep your eyes on him, he's definitely going to bounce back harder. Um, but, you know, like I said, everybody came and showed out, man, and it was a good fight card. It was fun fights, exciting fights, you know, tough ones, and, pe- and then also, you know, just fun ones where people are getting knocked out a little, you know. People love to see knockouts, too, you know what I mean? Yeah, Celso came, first-round knockout. Uh, I think it was the guy before me, like, to do with, like, three shots and dropped him every time or something like that. You know what I mean? So we had some other guys from other states come and and show their skills, and we had the cameras there. And it was just a great experience, a great event. And we made history, you know, 45 years. I'm not having any boxing in the armory, and we were, you know, that group was the first – to be able to break it in after that amount of time. And, you know, me being a main event, that just was a humongous honor to me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight my heart out, you know. So I, I got to flip this because you, t- you, you took this in the two directions that I want to go here that I'm really excited to ask you. Um, I, do have to, I do have to say 100% I agree. Sebastian Fundara, um, I eat crow. I laughed when I was like, this dude looks like, you know, string bean capital, and then he wins the fight. We post, well, we're going to eat crow that uh, we got it wrong, and he retweeted us. So I I, I officially, uh, that dude put me in checkmate when he did that. I did not expect that. So if he's listening, kudos to uh, Clown and me, I deserved it. Um, but there's, there's two ways I want to go about this. Uh, the first, the first thing I want to ask you is more of kind of a ha ha joking, funny, 
like just how you felt about it. But then the second thing is kind of building off of what you said with Bashan and his heart and him coming back, because that is a great segue to what I want to ask you. But um, ironically, you know, as you mentioned, you know, being the main event, I, myself and, you know, a couple other guys that we do radio with, we used to do a lot of pro wrestling. And every time we were in the main event, it would be the most boring thing sitting there waiting for like three hours until you finally got to go out there. In boxing, does it ever get to the point where you're like, man, I've been sitting back here since five o'clock and it's 11 and I haven't gotten out there. Do you just get those jitters where you just want to go out there and get it going and get it done? Oh, most definitely. You know what I mean? Most definitely. You see the other guys fighting. And exactly what you said, you know, you're sitting back there waiting, you're trying to trying to stay calm and cool, but, you know, you know that you're the main event. You know you got to <laughs> fight and close the show. So, obviously, you know, your mind is going to be racing and you're anxious, you know what I mean? So, you know, just kind of, you know, luckily, you know, I've had some experience. So, with the experience, you learn little tricks to just kind of be able to cool yourself down and stuff. But but even with the experience, man, you know, it's, it's it, that's exactly what it is. You know, you get anxious, you get ready, you know, and as fights keep going down, you're like, all right, I'm one more closer, one more closer. But, <laughs> you know, every fight starts having longer rounds as well, you know. So the first, round, the first couple fights might be four rounders and guys get knocked out. But, you know, the later fights, they're going to be eight to ten rounds and they're going to be tough fights. So they're going to take the whole fight. So, you, you know, you just got to be able to pace your mind and pace yourself a little bit. So that's always, it's, you know, that's always a challenge. It's, it's you know, especially then, you know, Ender Cherry goes the distance. It's, you know, because that was the one thing we always, we always, me and a few of my buddies always talked about. We're like, okay, you know, spoiler alert for anyone listening, pro wrestling is, is scripted. Okay, great. Everyone knows it, whatever. <laughs> and there's only so much you can, just, you can say, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and this is the finish. And by, you know, talking over your match for about an hour and a half, and now you're going, I don't know, should we go get something to eat while we're waiting for the rest of the show? Because, God, I'm just, I want to take this gear off. I'm, you know, and, and we're always like, I wonder if anybody else has ever had this this instance of just wanting to get in and get going. And this was the most perfect opportunity. So, like I said, as as the ha-ha funny, I just, I had to ask if if the jitters were there with it. But, um I, I oh, yeah. do want to ask you a serious question, and this is something that, that I've really – it's kind of really gravitated me to your me to your career. And you mentioned it with the Vashon thing where he's going to come back. Um, you look back, uh, you know, August 2016, you take a short fight notice against Jordanus Ugas. He gets the unanimous decision victory. Ugas now is going, and he's starting to really make a name for himself. Most people – get their first loss after being the prospect and coming in and we really don't see him again. We've we've had people on the show who were ten and zero undefeated prospects, they get their first loss and we never talk to him again. You come back and arguably in my eyes, get the three biggest wins of your career. Nothing against Javier Molina, but you go and beat Jojo Don. You knock out Diego Chavez, which only Keith Thurman has ever done. And then in one of the best fights I have seen this entire calendar year, you get the victory here in Minnesota against Abel Ramos. How, one, was there difficulty getting your mind out of the decision loss to Ugas? And two, how much, if it did, help motivate you to come back bigger and better and give you three of the biggest wins, like I said, in my eyes in your career? 
Well, you know, I look at things differently, you know what I mean? And that loss, for one, anytime I take a loss, <clears throat> even in the amateurs, it was like extra motivation. It just was a humble, it just humbles me and it, make, and it teaches me the lesson that i got to work harder and harder than I've been working, you know. But even with him, you know, and this is not taking nothing away from him because he was definitely the better man that night. Who asked. But like you said, I took that fight very short notice, you know, two days notice. Went there and I still went a hard 10 with him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? My timing was off and stuff like that and he beat me. But I still went a hard 10 with him. The guy that he was supposed to fight that night, he ended up fighting next, and he was the favorite. Uh, and that was like a couple months later. That guy had a full camp, you know, more well, longer than a full camp because he was supposed to fight him the night I fought, I fought him. <laughs> but he had a lot of, longer than a full camp, and he got knocked out by him. You know what I mean? So I took the fight short notice. Two days notice, when ten rounds, that dude had full camera got knocked out. He was the favorite win. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you know, and then everybody else he's fought, you know, he's been knocking out. You know, which is which is, you know, I'm not a hater. I congratulate him. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that you had to beat me for your career a lot because now I gotta have a loss on my record. But you know, you still did what you're supposed to do. You know, anytime you get in the ring, the way I look at it, anytime I get in the ring with anybody, then I come to lose. You know, and especially at the level I'm at now, they're really not coming to lose. Before, you might be like, all right, you know, yeah, he's going to put up a good fight, but once he gets hit, then, you know, he's just going to try to survive and, you know, whatever else, you know. But in my mind, if a guy sees that he has a chance to win, then he's going to go for the win. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you can't, and when you look at it like that, Every fight you take, you have to take very seriously. Every fight you take is a championship fight. These guys ain't coming to lose, especially now, you know, since I'm ranked high and stuff. You know, uh, Ramos, you know, he came to fight. He was in shape. Yeah, it was a you hell know, of a he fight. Was, he was an underdog, but he came and he, he came to bring it. You know what I mean? Um, but that's how, it, that's how it's going to be. You know, if you're trying to be a world champion, especially in the welterweight division, which is stacked, you know. You yeah. got tons of guys with that. You got a lot of guys which are sleepers, which are really good. They just ain't got their name out there yet. They got some talent they can fight. Um, you just have to be on that level. You have to train hard. And you every fight you take, you got to know that these guys could be and probably are championship material, and they're coming to take your spot. And if you and if that scares you, then you're in the wrong business. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that shouldn't scare you. You should welcome them to it. You know what I mean? They shouldn't be. The way I look at it is, I'm not worried about winning or losing, because when you start worrying about that, then you start fighting overly cautious. You know what I mean? And you start second guessing decisions in the ring, and you don't have that time. You know, in the ring, you have half a second this that to make certain decisions on whether you want to throw a shot, whether you want to move here, whether you want to slip this way or that way, you know what I mean? You got to make decisions extremely quick. And if you are too worried about winning or losing and fighting too cautiously, you may make the wrong decision and you may hold your punches. So the only thing in my mind is that by the end of the fight, 
whoever I was fighting that night is going to remember my name for the rest of their life. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, that's you, what's in my mind. Whether I win or I lose or I draw, whoever I fought is going to remember my name. And when they talk about me, they're going to be like, yeah, that, that cat right there can fight. That was a tough fight right there. Whether he won or whether he lost or whether it was a draw, he ain't going to say that it was no easy fight for him. And when you keep that in mind and you fight like that, nine times out of ten, you're going to win the fight regardless because you put in everything on the line. You know, I ain't leave nothing. I ain't leave nothing in the ring. You know, I put it all in the ring. I don't, I, I don't leave with nothing coming out of the ring. I just say I put it all in the ring. You know, I ain't got no regrets leaving any fight. <laughs> what so uh, that, that, that's how I fight, the, man, and it's been working out. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, but, but you know, this it, it intrigues me with the way you said all that. What was the bigger win? Abel Ramos, main event, Minnesota in the armory, all the fans here. Or was it that Diego Chavez third-round knockout? I mean, Chavez was in the ring with guys like Timothy Bradley, Brandon Rios. You know, it took Keith Thurman 10 rounds to do it. It only took you three. What you got one time? Yeah. What you got one time? Um, <laughs> you know, it was... Is a knockout over a guy like that who had pedigree, or was it the Minnesota victory that that was the more standout of the two? Well, the most fulfilling fight for me was winning this last one because it was back in my hometown, main event, a humongous and beautiful venue like the Armory, you know, which was the which was the center of boxing in Minnesota years ago, forty five years ago. That's where all the big fights were at. You know, my my favorite fighter, Sugar Ray Robinson in there and being able to do it in front of all my fans, being able to put on, you know, other Minnesota fighters on the undercard so they can show their skills. Um, you know, that was, I would say that was a lot more fulfilling for me, you know, being able to go in there and close the show and give the fans a great fight with Abel Ramos. Um, the most fight that was best for my career I would say it was a Chavez fight. Being able to knock him out knowing that he was, <laughs> you know, top-notch fighter, only, like you said, only been stopped by uh, um, Keith Thurman. But but he, being able to stop Thurman him in the third, fight, where Keith, yeah, gave Thurman a hell of a fight, and Thurman didn't stop him until, I think, the 10th or the 8th or something. And I was able to get him out in the third. You know, that was definitely a, a really a good experience for me, and it felt really good. Um, and that's what, you know, kind of shot me up higher and higher as far as my career. Um, so, you know, I ain't taking nothing away from that. I definitely felt good, but I would say, you know, <laughs> just being able to fight back home, you know, in front of, front of my family and friends and, and fans and all that and, and put the other fighters on and bring the cameras and stuff, that was more fulfilling for me personally. I love it. So last question I got for you here. What's next? I mean, when you fight next, what do you, who do you want to fight? I mean, if if you have a choice, you know, what, what's going down with the rest of 2018 for you? Hey, man, I'm trying to get a world title. That's been my goal this whole time. So hopefully, you know, I think I talked to my management team. They said maybe one at the most, two more fights, for, you, know, you know, step it up each time, you know, show them that you – that that you're ready for it, you know, because I've been showing them that, but just getting the more exposure on it, 
and then uh, a title fight, man. You know what I mean? And whoever whoever wants to give me that opportunity, that's who I want. Whether it's Keith Thurman, <clears throat> whether it's Earl Spence, whether Ooh. it's you know the winner out of uh, uh, Pacquiao and Lucas and say whether whoever got the belt in my weight class, I'm not afraid of nobody. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't. I'm not. I'm not down downplaying anybody. These guys are good fighters. I know who they are. You know. I know the reputation they have. They're good fighters. They definitely earned what they have, but I've been earning, and I want the opportunity. I want to go for broke, you know what I mean? So anybody who want to give me that opportunity, all you got to do is say it. Let's make sure the business is right, and let's yeah. make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if if, uh, you know? if Jeff Horn beats uh, Terrence Crawford, I would recommend staying away from, from Jeff Horn because we know that this guy right here. Oh, Aaron. Is always going to play foul, and uh, and we don't, we don't want that to happen to hey, you. Hey man, you know boxing is boxing, man. If he's going to be dirty, then we just go and have to go dirty with him. You know what I mean? I, I hope you headbutt his ass. Anytime we put money in, you know, there's always that risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I want the opportunity. I want the opportunity. I want to go in there, and you know, God forbid, at the end of the day, if I went and I got the opportunity and I lost. I want to at least say I had that opportunity and I mm-hmm. left everything in the ring. And, you know, that's what I did in my life. You know what I mean? But I guarantee you, you give me that opportunity, you better be in some serious shape and been busting your head <laughs> and training because it's going to be fighting. Like I told you all, y'all going to remember my name. Let's go. They, they, they'll, they'll remember my name at the end of the fight, you know? So <laughs> that's what that is. Um. Elijah, before we wrap up, you said you had one other thing you wanted to ask uh, ask the future yeah. champion here. So Jamal, future champ um, sounds I, nice, man. Let's go, future champ Jamal Shango James. <laughs> so I was uh, over here. I was wondering. Sure. You mentioned you mentioned Sugar Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, I was also wondering who uh, some uh, some fighters that you might have like patterned your style after, or fighters that you kind of watch, you know, to get tips from and. Just oh, kind yeah, of man. I'm, like that. I'm a student of the game, man. I've studied so many fighters. I, I like a lot of old school stuff. I watch, I watch new school stuff, too. But, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson is probably one of my all-time favorites. I've studied uh, Joe Lewis and the way he just turns his punches so short. I've studied, uh, obviously, uh, Thomas Hearns because he got the yep. same exact build pretty much using that mm-hmm. range, the way he whips his combination in that right hand. I like Roberto Duran. You know, he's coming from all over, just mm-hmm. moving on you, Chavez, you know, uh, Ortiz. I, I study uh, Ray Leonard, uh, Aaron Pryor, you know. Um, I study a bunch of guys, uh, Boom Boom Mancini, man. Um, Ray. And then, you know, Sugar Shane Mosley, Otto, you know, you can learn something from anybody, you know what I mean? Everybody does something really well. Yeah, you can learn something, you know what I mean? Um, from from if you study good enough and know what you're looking at, you can learn something from anybody, or at least learn what not to do. <laughs> yeah, there's some guys. There's some, there some guys. I've been watching boxing for a long time since I was a kid and stuff. And there are some a few guys that kind of stuck out for me that who like kind of you had some elements of that I used to watch when I was a kid, like guys like Donald Curry, Michael Nunn. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Hearns, of course, just like rangy, snappy, long fighters who use a lot of movement and who are like 
who can punch and who can box. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on that and see if I was off or not, or if there were any any of the same guys that I was thinking of. Elijah, you old man. I, I am old man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But all those dudes, all those dudes are those dudes that I mentioned were bad men. Yeah, they fought, man. Fantastic fight, man. You know, like you said, yeah, I just study all of them, man. You know, I study all. I, I watch all those guys, you know. Um, and you know, I got my own. I, I got stuff that I feel more comfortable with doing in the ring and stuff, you know. But I practice on different things that I learn from all those guys and try to perfect them. So you know, I can keep that in my box of tools. So you know, anytime you go, everybody fights differently. So something might work more better against a certain opponent than it would against another opponent. Yeah. But at least I have that in my bag of tools. So if I got to pull it out, then I'm able to pull it out. You know. That's One hundred percent Everything you're doing is a hundred percent working. I love it. Like I said, I'm excited. I'm I'm over here. I'm sitting in the studio, like, cracking my knuckles, just ready for the next fight. Like, I, I love <laughs> Get ready, man. Stop it, baby. Get um, ready. <laughs> real quick, before we wrap it up here, I want you to plug everything you got. Um, our, my, one, of, one, of our, one of the guys who, who hosts uh, another show with us, uh, Jordan Jisker, is sitting on here, and I got to bring him on for this. Jordan, you, you with us? Yeah. All right. Uh, Jamal, if if I could borrow one more minute of your time, this is something that I love to do with 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 our favorite guests, and this is one of my favorite interviews. Can I borrow your time to play a quick game with you, sir? All right, let's do it, man. Ha, ha, have you ever uh, went on the internet and looked at a website or a Twitter called Uberfax? Uberfax? No, I haven't haven't heard of that one. Is they sponsor the segment? Let's play a quick game of Uber Facts. Uber Facts. The most unimportant things you'll never need to know. <laughs> uh, usually this is something we do with uh, with uh, with the NFL writers throughout the spring, but we had to bring it out. I saw Jordan waiting because he wanted to hear this interview. Uh, basically, the way this is going to go down, Jamal, is I'm going to give four facts to everybody. And the goal is to tell me which fact is the one that I have made up and is an incorrect fact. Are you ready for this? All right, let's do it. All right, so we'll have Jamal give his answer first. Uh, Jordan, you give me your answer second, and Elijah, we'll have you wrap up. Here is All fact right. number one. Now, remember, one of these facts I have made up and is incorrect. You have to identify which one is incorrect. The first one, smoking, poor diet, physical inactivity, and unhealthy alcohol consumption contribute to about 50% of the deaths in Canada. Number two. A new study has found that by the age of 20, a native English-speaking American knows 21,000 dictionary words. Number three, a survey of British girls ages 11 to 18 found that 15% believed their boobs were too big for them to participate in sports. And number four, the Mayo people in Guizhou, China, celebrate a dog-carrying day where they put clothes on dogs and carry them around in sedan chairs. Jamal, which fact did I make up? <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four. All right. Jordan, what do you think? I'm going to say uh, it's not number four. It's definitely going to be uh, – I think the dictionary one is uh, a gross overstatement. 
Gross overstatement. Okay, Elijah, what do you got? I'm going the first one, the Canadians. All right. Well, the the British one is a correct statement, so I'm glad nobody picked that. That one is officially a correct one. Elijah, unfortunately, the Canada 50% deaths is a correct fact. You have been eliminated. Out of the last two, I hate to do this because I love our guests getting the victory, but Jamal, tonight, the the ball is not in your court. That is a real day in China. And Jordan... (laughs) Jordan, you get the victory. I got to say, that would have been my second choice. I was thinking James, y'all. I'm going to get the ball, James, y'all. But Jordan, here's the kicker. It's actually 42,000 words. It's double the amount that I said, so they're actually smarter than you thought they were. Oh, look at me over here thinking people are dumb. Yeah, we're <laughs> Once again, shout out to Uber. Uber Facts, the most unimportant oh, things you'll never need to know. Uh, hey, great fight, yeah. by the way. It was awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate uh, it. Appreciate it. Uh, Jamal, once again, thank you so much for coming on, talking with us, giving us your time. I mean, you gave us like 45 minutes. We didn't expect nearly that. It was tremendous. I can't wait to talk to you again. Pick your brain on some boxing now that now that we've we've introduced each other to one another and talked. I can't wait to actually pick your brain on some boxing knowledge and just the whole whole nine yards and talk to you again. Plug away everything you've got for us. You know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, website, blood type, whatever you want people to know about you. <laughs> Charities you might yeah, work with, definitely. like anything. Yeah, you know, just follow me on uh, on Instagram at Jamar Shango James, Facebook, uh, Jamar Shango James, and Twitter as well, same thing. Uh, you know, um, or check out circleofdiscipline.org. You know, they post about the stuff we're doing at the circle and events we're hosting and stuff, and any up-and-coming fights I might have. Um, and, you know, thank you guys, number one, for having me on. I just, just want to give a quick shout-out to, for one, all the, all the fans and family that's been supporting me and uh, my sponsors, La Tortilla, Therapy of Champions, and uh, Premier Health Chiropractic. <laughs> and, um, yeah, man, we're coming for this world title. Please, you know, be on the lookout and keep it supporting, and we're going to make it happen. Thank you guys again, man. Thank you. Right, thanks, James. We'll, uh, we'll talk no soon, all right? Thanks a lot. All right, man. Peace. That was Jamal Shango James. Jordan, I'm going to throw you back on mute because I, th- I have a feeling you're going to want to talk about what we're going to get into next. Am I right? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I, I might go on a crazy rant, uh, just like some other people go on crazy rants, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was cool, man. Uh, shout out to the local talent, man. That's, that's awesome. Uh, him giving us, uh, obviously, the time as well. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to throw Jordan on mute. Elijah, we're going to take this next break. When we come back, Let's talk these these Showtime fights. We're gonna throw in the Con McGreco in the meantime because Frampton, it was so short. Donaire. Yep, Frampton, Frampton, Donito, Donaire. We're gonna talk that. I di- I didn't have time to pull it off. Um, Elijah checked it out. So thankfully, the boxing stud of the two of us 
he he knows everything. I just banter, so he's going to be able to tell tell us about the fight, which is going to be tremendous. So you don't have to hear me ramble. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk the Showtime cards. We're going to talk about the Con LaGreco card. We're going to break down what it was this weekend in boxing. We'll be right back. Myself, Elijah McNeil, kicking it with the Standing A count. Be right back. Your late night hip hop and R&B podcast, Total Sound Radio, hosted by Kyle Halffine Adams. Every Thursday night, right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Catch up on your latest on hip hop and R&B, and hear Minnesota talent at 10 p.m. Central. But if you trust us the way I feel, I won't fold from the cards that you feel. Let's journey life together and make it worthwhile. Can't take it back like diamonds. See, my life is like a movie, no rewinding. Killing mics like I got a license. Victim, I believe don't have religion. Just a higher power. Who power? I'm not so happy with it. But I take a breath. Regain my pet. Check my feet when I'm walking. See if it I seen it all more than I care to reveal. I'm always sort of clear the air for the real. That's why I'm aiming at the grill, man, because this how I feel. Nobody being sincere. We need some changes for real. Again, that's Thursdays right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Thursdays at 10 p.m. Central. And if you're a musician, you want to get your music heard on the show, send the MP3 over to Soda Sound at strongstylemedia.com. Peanut. Peanut. This right here is Alpha Brain. I just drank some of this in a shake. I got to tell you right now, I couldn't be more clear. You're Clarity. 50, so I use it. I don't do anything without it. I'm addicted I, to I it. I know, but I'm 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 48, but I feel like I'm 26. I have a boner right now. But I have so much energy. Like I actually, I, I'm I'm. And I took an Alpha Brain. And I never do. I I want to fight you. I want to fight you. I want to go, chin down, and I want to bang, bang. Oh. Hey, I'm Dr. Asking. What's up? He's been distraught ever since his friend smoked him last week in fantasy football. Now he's grabbed this post and he won't respond. He's got Luzonic plays. What is He's a loser. He's not a loser. Okay, he's a loser. What can he do? With DraftKings, he could have easily challenged his friend to a rematch. Okay, I can't. What are you? I can't see that. If you need glasses, I'm also an optometrist. At DraftKings, you can play free private contests whenever you want. Strong Style Media presents... Sportscast Radio, the one that started it all, with your host, Ryan Cook, and me, Jordan Jistra. We're going to be giving you everything, and I mean everything from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, soccer, bobsled, basketball, survivor, even that weird sport where they do the hurdles and jump puddles in track and field. All right, maybe not that one, but from the college to the pros and from the rings to the rink, we've got you covered. Sportscast Radio. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. Praise be to Allah. They call me Kubla Khan. Ready for war with a Ruger 9. I'm ready with a machete for Rudy Julian. I'm ready for anybody who want war. Y'all ain't nice with the hands you can't throw. You can't stall. Behold the black horses. I'm running up in your church. Kennedy Count coming back at you here, and we had a hell of a weekend in boxing. Elijah, this was a fun weekend, man. We had some really good fights. Yeah, man, it was tremendous. Like, I actually didn't, I didn't watch the fights 
last night because, you know, Saturday nights I usually have stuff going on with the wife and whatever. So, but I I watched them today. I watched. I was like, I was looking so forward to getting up, getting everything I needed to get taken care of today, so I could go watch these fights. And man, I was not disappointed. Tremendous, uh, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Obviously, um, one three four seven eight five seven ten sixty is the number. If you want to call in and talk these Showtime fights, um, you know we had it promoted on the Twitter and on the Facebook that we're actually going to take calls tonight. If people want to call in and talk, Jordan's already waiting. Sportscast Radio's own Jordan Jiskra. You heard him as as the commercial played for him. That was me trying to talk fast. So we're going to get to Jordan here when we get to the fight. Um, but it was it was a lot of tremendous fights. Where where do you want to go here, Elijah? Do you want to start with the giant elephant in the room and then work our way around the elephant into the open area, or do you want to start somewhere different first? Let's save that for let's save that for like later or for last, or maybe like get to it because I don't want to keep Jordan on hold for too long. But let's not start mm-hmm. with that. All right, um, let's. let's Let's start with the Showtime fights then. Okay. Um, so the opening fight we saw, uh, a, a, and, and I'm going to say this too, two of the first, uh, two, the first two fights were short fights, but I was entertained especially by the opening fight, even though it was only a three-round contest. Uh, Gervonta Davis defeats Jesus Cuellar. Uh, body shots drop him in the third. Cuellar comes off of a big layoff to take the fight. Giovanna Davis from the Francisco Fonseca, I believe is who we fought last on that Mayweather McGregor shamble undercard. And we had a lot of reservations. We both said that we thought Davis was going to get the victory, but we both did acknowledge that Davis had some trouble. Um, Giovanna Davis, Elijah for one impressed me for the fact that coming in against Jesus Quaylar, fighting him for that vacant WBA junior lightweight title came in in better shape looked better, and had a better game plan than he did against a lesser Francisco Fonseca, worked the body, and stopped Cuellar in the third round in a much more impressive performance against a better fighter. Um, I will say that I think Cuellar does deserve a little bit of his due because he, he put up a decent fight, but he just couldn't, he couldn't sustain the body shots. I mean, it, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, if the body shots weren't hitting, Cuellar might have won a couple, might have snuck a couple rounds in. But I don't know if it was the layoff or just Javonna Davis' skill for me that, that gave him the victory. But Javonna Davis looked exactly like we had hoped he would look in his career being the prospect he was, as they call him, Tank. Thoughts on Davis Cuellar, Elijah? Well, one thing I want to say first off is props to Kevin Cunningham for being able to kind of rein Davis in. You know, you didn't, see, you didn't you didn't see any of the the showboating and the antics that you usually <laughs> see in a Gervonta Davis fight. He looked to be just all about business this fight. You know, like like the anti A B <laughs> like the anti they, yeah. they they should call him <laughs> they should call Gervonta Davis A B because he's about business. I mean he just looked he looked super sharp. He looked focused like like I've never really seen him before. Um, he looked in shape. And, I mean, I think the, the two-year layoff could 
have something to do with Cuellar struggling. But, I mean, if you take a look at Davis's hand speed, his accurate punching, his going to the body and using the body punch, like the body punches to set up his head punches, then to me, I just think it's more of we just saw peak Gervonta Davis and not necessarily just because Cuellar was on a two-year layoff. I think Davis should get full credit for this fight, and I think he just outclassed a guy that he's a much better fighter than. That's a great way to put it, too, is he, uh, you know, we saw what Davis should be as opposed to what Cuellar, Cuellar isn't anymore. And I think that's the number one standout for me. Um, obviously now, Giovanna Davis, we know what the next step is for him. I'm not nervous about Vasil Lomachenko, Mr. Hightech himself, losing May 12th. Nope. Can this Giovanna Davis that we saw against, and, and I mean, I you know, I want to say a game, but you could argue the biggest name he may have beaten in his career, Jesus Cuellar. Yep. Can this Giovanna Davis go with high-tech? Man, high tech's outclassed like so many guys that it's hard to say. But I will say that he, um, Davis is probably the most talented fighter outside of Gary Russell that um, Lomachenko is probably going up against. And I think that, to me, I think Davis is a is a better all around fighter than Gary Russell Jr. is, just because I think he has his power makes him more dangerous than Russell. Yeah, the muscle is. That's a good like, that's because Gary Russell's one one standout is obviously his hand speed, but oh, his hand he doesn't speed is have, ridiculous, and he can he box. Just just have, I don't. That there's not that power. That power. That, power. That Davis, yeah, yeah, agree. That's that's where Davis poses a little bit more of a threat because you know, it, and I'm glad you brought up Gary Russell Jr. because for as fast as Gary Russell Jr. is, nobody can deny he's one of the fastest hands in the sport. Lomachenko still made him kind of look slow at points. Which yeah. shows how fast. I I think one thing we we don't give Lomo enough credit about is yes he's he's so physically just just more gifted than everybody. But it feels to me. You remember the first Spider-Man movie when uh, when Tobey Maguire is about to get punched in the face and he and he like watches the the fist go by his hand and he's able to turn his head three times and then watch the yep. fist go back because he's so much quicker than the other guy. That's the thing with Lomachenko is I feel like he's just on a different level with how calm he is and can just defend things. And that's well, the awareness. scary thing. He, he, he made Gary Russell's hand speed look minimal. Yeah. He, he neutralized it because he just, he's so experienced and he knows the game and he's got like such great timing. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy what that guy can do. That's why like they call him the matrix sometimes because he looks like he's fighting in the matrix sometimes like he's you neo know, and he's he's the anomaly uh, that is the, un, the like he's a computer pro he's a computer program that's the anomaly you know height sometimes high tech's boxing iq reminds me of when you know some of those games where you watch golden state and steph curry makes like 13 of 13 from like five feet behind the three-point line, and they go, how is that possible? And he goes, well, for whatever reason to me, it looked like the basketball rim was eight feet wide instead of the small cylinder. So yeah. you, you 
and never missing a shot. That's what it reminds me of with high tech Lomachenko is he's it it feels to me like everything just moves at his speed and not real you know, he's got that max pain bullet time going on. It it's yeah it's wild. But this this also alludes to the point you brought up with Gervonta Tank Davis's power is he doesn't have the speed, but if he hits you does but it he's got a lot of hands. He's got a lot of hand speed though too. I mean, he's not quite as fast as Gary Russell, but he's got he's got very good hand speed. He's like his hand speed is probably above average. Davis's is. You know, and, we've never. But do you think Lomachenko has any type of a chinny problem? Like, do you think that's one thing that is kind of suspect and hidden we don't know about, or is it kind of one of those things where he's so confident in the way he boxes that? He's kind of the like I, I saw a perfect gift today. It was triple G, triple G and Canelo when Canelo threw that overhand right, and Golovkin walked right through it and kept coming. Where it says if you look at his eyes, this is when he was defeated because yeah. Golovkin threw his bench best punch, and you could see Canelo's eyes go, "Oh, what's going on?" That was in round nine. He ate that punch. Does Lomachenko? I'm not fighting Amir Khan anymore. <laughs> You know, and you know, you know, it is what it is. And but is this one of the things where Lomachenko just is that confident that he can take a punch that that's why he, he can walk through like this, and that won't be something Davis can expose, or can Davis hit him and maybe change the outcome of the fight because we don't know about Lomo's I chin. Mean, you never know with a guy like Lomachenko how good his chin is because he rarely gets hit cleanly, and he's so good like defensively that. He hasn't really taken many clean punches, so I mean, you never know. There's a, anyone can get knocked out, so there's always that possibility. But I can't say that I don't think Lomach. I don't. I can't say that I don't. You know, Lomachenko doesn't have a chin, but you never know. But being who he is, I think he would be a tough, resilient fighter. So I mean, it is a good point though. Like what happens to him when he finally does get hit? You know. And Tank can throw. Like, that's the one yeah. advantage of Davis that nobody who's – I mean, you look at the Orlando Salido fight, that was a bullcrap decision. Everybody knows oh, that. Oh, terrible. You know, terrible decision. And there's a reason why Salido won't fight him again. Because he knows he's not going to win. Yeah. Um, I think Lomachenko's I mean, smart enough, though, to where if someone were to get him in trouble – he would be able to like kind of get out of it like Floyd Mayweather did when Floyd Mayweather got caught by a Sugar Shane Mosley. Could you imagine if if Austin Lomachenko debuts like a defense as good as his offense? <laughs> like oh god, to show that his defense was as good as his offense. Not trying to turn this into the Lomachenko hour, but immediately if you saw that they were equally as talented, how quick does he? jump up the greatest of all time list like because that would be just unheard of yeah i mean like like we said he's an anomaly (laughs) it's it's ridiculous watching it um we go into the next fight we see jamal charlo takes on hugo centennial centennial's no slouch charlo made him look like a slouch that knockout in the second round was disgusting Charlo coming on like a million bucks, and I, I, his promo was a little wild when he kept sitting there screaming, "I want GGG, GGG!" Oh, he, like, okay, he's he's hilarious. It. He's wild. They're they're both, and I love how Jamel 
uh, you could see Jermel come behind him, and like he was probably about eight feet. And somehow by the middle of the promo, he was right next to him. It was like yeah. when you're at the club and you want to dance with this hot chick, and you kind of work your way in. He just kept working his way in to get up next to him on the camera. Shout out to Jermel Charlo for that. But he called him out. He said he wants the GGG, man. I want the GGG. Do you want Jamal yeah. Charlo versus the GGG, Elijah? Dude, I would rather would see. I would rather see that fight than a, another Canelo fight, honestly. Because I think Charlo presents problems stylistically and athletically that Canelo really doesn't pose. Kind of like with the Jacobs fight, you know. I, th- I think Charlo. It would be a more interesting, more like, I don't want to say I guess interesting, but more intriguing fight to me to see him fight like a guy like Charlo, or Billy Joe Saunders versus fighting Canelo again because that Canelo fight, man, I just Canelo looked all right, but I just I felt like Triple G won handily, and I feel like this. The next time that they fight, if they ever fight again, that he's that he's gonna go all out and probably stop Canelo this time. I so, agree. So I just I want to I want to see I want to see him fight someone new, someone different, someone who poses a little more threat. Because I mean I think I think the guy like Charlo Jacobs, I think they could beat Canelo or give Canelo a, like a run for his money. You know I I don't think. I think those. I'm not saying they're better than Canelo right now, but mm-hmm. I think that they could beat Canelo. I would I think love that they, to see Jamal Charlo fight Canelo. Yes, I would love to see. Look, and, and I'm going to say this too: is not even trying to be like a Canelo or apologist even Billy Joe or Saunders. Billy Joe yeah, Saunders would, would be another. I. I 100% think Canelo's the real deal. I think he's as good as people put him over to be. But when it's all said and done, I mean, Triple G right now is probably my team Mussolini or Kobe Bryant. You know, where he's my ride or die that I go, you know, he's my Kazuchika Okada in the pro wrestling world. And, Mm -hmm. And it's one of those where, you know, when we do our pound for pound, sometimes I want to put Canelo much higher than I do, but I'm a realist and I can't. I do think Canelo's that good. I've I've seen him do these things that are that good. And yes, I will 100% give, give Canelo the credit that he threw that huge right hand in the ninth. Triple G walked through it. He knew he was losing and he went out and he arguably won the last three rounds fighting for his life which is something that a guy with that pedigree should have never had to be put in that situation. So yeah. I, I give him the credit for being able to make somebody that good look that suspect, but I also give Canelo the the ability that he came out and realized that I'm losing this fight and I have to win, which is something we've said over the last you know six months we've run the show, that that's a problem, that we get irritated that people know they're losing and don't do anything about it. Canelo did something yeah. about it. That's we saw handedly that Triple G can beat Canelo, is a better fighter than Canelo, and that's why I want the Canelo-Golovkin fight to happen. Is I want the vindication in my life that I watch them raise Triple G's hand and make him the pound-for-pound pound Lord God Allah in this sport that we both love. <laughs> you know, like I saw the last pound-for-pound, pound, we both have him there. 
But I want yeah. it to be vindicated. I want them to go, standing eight counts correct. This is the dude. You know what I mean? And his arm, mm-hmm. I'm raising my arm. I'm the rock or something. I'm looking like an idiot. But I just want to see that. Because we know that Triple G will fight Jacobs again. We know Triple G will fight Jamal Charlo. We know he wants to fight Saunders. We know he's going to go in and fight all these guys. And through time, he's going to age. And I'd rather he loses to a guy like a game Jamal Charlo that builds the division than Canelo catching him three three years from now and then beating him. Yeah, if they're gonna just... fight right now, let's let, and let's watch Triple G win. Yeah, that's why that's I, why I want... the whole like that's why the whole Triple G Canelo thing too. That's a good point you bring up. Is just like it's just for me. It's starting to like just set sail on that whole like their whole like fight and rivalry and stuff. I'm just to the point where I'm just like, don't care anymore. Like, I feel like it's been, it's almost getting to the, the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather stage where it's like, okay, yeah, they fought once. And now it feels like that someone is trying to stall the fight and hold it out longer. I mean, they tried to stall it before now they fought and now they're trying to stall it again. And it's just like, I just don't want it this to just be keep getting drawn out and drawn out and drawn out. You know what I mean? So, you know, obviously just, we talked we talked with Gizzy about um, Canelo. Yes, he supports the his local businesses, but you you need to be a lot more careful careful with your Guadalajara meat. With you saying stalling the fight, and, and I know you told me a couple weeks ago you don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or or whatever, but I told you it's a good thing, and I want you to be that way, Elijah. You put something in my mind that I never thought about with stalling the fight. Is this a tactic where I'm going to get suspended for six months and then I can get the knee surgery and it won't look like, well, I'm suspended. I might as well get the surgery and I'm not postponing the fight. I got screwed. So I might as well get the surgery since I can't fight. Like, was that a way to postpone to get the the surgery? Yeah, probably. That's why I posted that picture of him because I'm just like, oh, man, like, yeah, maybe. Like, that's not to put over the conspiracy theory aspect, but that's another conspiracy theory. Like, God, my knee is not what it should be. If I if I step out of the fight to do the knee surgery, everyone's going to call me a bitch. So if something happens. Like, stupid, people, stupid people would call Canelo a bitch for that. Like, realistic it, people would be like – Fine, his knee is injured. Let him have surgery. I mean, you want you you don't want no any excuses. You know, you want mm-hmm. like I want these, I want these guys to fight when they're both 100. percent So you test it back to look at uh, look at Cinco de Mayo three years ago. I think it was when we got Floyd and Manny. It was it yeah. was proven that Pacquiao had a torn rotator cuff, and instead of taking the surgery and opting out, he fought. So they couldn't they couldn't say there's any reason he didn't fight. Regardless even back of the, then, even back it, then, I was like, man, I wish that, I wish they both would just. I wish that Pacquiao would have just said something and they just would have fought at like a hundred percent. Agreed. Because and, and look at the beginning of it. Through six rounds, I mean, I had it one way. The judges had it too. It was a three and three fight on a lot of scorecards, and then you saw Manny stop punching. Now Floyd takes six straight, which was easy for him because of how good he is. And it's one of those things where now we go back and right now we're sitting here three years later going, 
man, I wish Manny would have had the surgery so he would never would have had that discussion. You know, it's it, it, that's why I I think I'm with you on this, Elijah. Look, man, Canelo, if you if you if you messed up your knee, go get your surgery. We'll fight in September. Nobody's going to be mad. Yeah. Then Triple G can plan ahead and get a better fight too. Yeah. Look, the the one thing that we always talk about with UFC is it's one governing body and it's one person making the fight so we don't get ducking. The guys mm-hmm. over in the UFC, if they get injured. They say they're injured and they postpone the fight. Nobody freaks out about it because yeah. people understand you're doing physical activity to train. You're going to get injured. It happens. Yeah. I don't know why these guys are so scared to do that. And I love that yeah. you brought up the Pac-12 Mayweather thing because that is the epitome. It took us umpteen hundred years to finally get the fight, and then we find out the next day that he had a torn rotator cuff. And it's like, well, thanks for taking my $100, you jack-offs. Yeah. Maybe if you would have made it a six-round fight, we would have got a draw, and then maybe that would have fought her out. It just it's it's frustrating. So, like in a way, I'm glad there's not. I guess I guess with you saying that, I'm glad we didn't have this fight happen in two weeks. And then Triple G wins, you know, eight rounds of four, and then Canelo gets surgery and goes. That's why I couldn't fight it. I had a bad knee. Now we won't yeah. have that if they fight. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, uh, back to apologies for oh, too sorry, far go ahead. Yeah. Get us back on track. I was, gonna, I, I was yeah, I was gonna say far. I was gonna say back to the Charlo uh, Centeno fight. Um, Not too loud. Man, that was Ramirez. Uh, right now, what? What I'm so We're on Ramirez. Oh, Celso's on. No, no, he's not on. He was just. I just got a, a notification on it. So shout out Celso, oh, okay. knocking people. But um, so man, that the fight, the fight was interesting for me because. I mean, round one was a pretty fairly. I mean, Charlo, I had Charlo winning, but Centeno looked good. I mean, yeah, he might he might have looked like he was on his bike a little bit, but I mean, the dude had good movement and a lot more skill than I thought he had. I just, I think he was. I think maybe he was a little scared. Like he was a little timid, and then. Instead of like sticking to his game plan, he kind of got got a little greedy and left himself open. And Charlo capitalized on it. That's why he's knocked out like what, tw- like seventeen guys in a row or something crazy like that. Yeah. So and you know it's it's once again too like you said these first two fights were fun fights. It just they ended really fast. Yeah. Well. But I, I think I think Centeno will be back, and I'll be interested to see who he fights next and what his fights look like because I kind of like his style. So I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again. He was just in with the with the stronger, better fighter today. So um, obviously, next we move to the main event: Adrian oh, Bronner on Jesse Vargas. Now, I I will I I will say I went on record last week saying. I'm going to go with you because you're, you're you're right, and I shouldn't under underwhelm uh, his ability. But I really said I, I really put put a lot of stake in Jesse Vargas last week. I really thought he was going to do well. Yeah, uh, I did go with the consensus and, and took Bronner unanimous. I got my scorecard in front of me. Did you scorecard this fight? I did. Yes. So. I had Jesse Vargas winning seven to five, Elijah. What did you have? I had a, I I um, deemed it a draw. 
So breaking down, I went round one Bronner. I actually went Vargas round one. Um, Bronner didn't do jack for me, and it looked like Vargas was going to the body and was hitting his jab to the body and just more active. I mean, it wasn't anything amazing, but his activity and the punches that he did land won that that first round for me. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, you're good. That just makes me, if I would have flipped it and I would have went Vargas, well, this would have been a much easier decision than even I already had it. Um, I went two, three, and four Vargas. How did you have two, three, and four? Two, three, and four Vargas, too. I mean, Broner was hitting him with some nice punches, but, again, Vargas was hitting him, too, and hitting him more and just being more active. I think, I don't think Vargas's punches were doing really any damage to Broner, but it just didn't look good for Broner to just be languishing. Like, I swear, like, that guy, he, like, <laughs> admires his defense, and his defense is, like, okay, but... His defense isn't, shouldn't be, like, what he's banking his ability on. His, abil- his ability to, like, throw combinations and punch and his hand speed and his power should be, like, what he's, like, kind of trying to display and kind of, you know, using his abilities. He's he's okay defensively, but he's a much more talented offensive fighter. So He thinks he's Floyd. For one, he doesn't move enough to be Floyd Mayweather. No, he, 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 okay, this is the epitome of uh, Adrian Broner for me. He's going to do the Floyd shoulder roll like he's got the defense, but stand flat-footed. Yep, the only guy I, I can watch that stands flat-footed that will dominate somebody defensively with counter-punching is the guy we talked about, Canelo Alvarez. He is not anywhere near Canelo Alvarez being a flat-footed defensive fighter whatsoever. And I don't know why he thinks he is, because he's not. And if you watch by the end of this fight, he starts pushing the tempo, and he's exactly what you just said he was. It's, it's, a, it's annoying, it's pathetic, and it just it pisses me off that this dude has so much talent. And as I said to you in the text, this, you know, this dude would rather be a celebrity than a champion. If he comes out and fights just right away, the way he did in the second half of the fight, I'm not saying he knocks Vargas out, but he probably they probably stop they'll probably they probably would have ended up stopping it, or his or his corner might have thrown in the towel just because his eye Vargas's eye started getting messed up, and I mean, you could tell Vargas is getting tired, and mm-hmm. his just, punch output. Broner just doesn't do enough, and it's frustrating to watch because he waits too long, and then he opens opens up, and then you're like, man, this guy's looking really good. I mean, even against, like, Sean Porter, he was getting pummeled the entire fight, and then he knocked Sean Porter down, like, late in the fight, and you're like, wow, could you imagine what he could have done if he would have just actually let his hands go? Or, you know, against uh, Mikey Garcia, Mike Garcia dominated him, but those the like last like few rounds, Broner started hitting him, and it was because mm-hmm. Broner was letting his hands go more. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. so continue. So, I went fifth round. I went Broner. So I had three two after five for Vargas. Yeah, I went fifth round Broner as well. Um, Demetrius was in the same boat as you because he was with me, so he was giving me his thoughts. He had four one Vargas like you did. I had three two Broner. Uh, the next two rounds, I went Vargas. I went 6-7 Vargas, even though 6 was a toss-up, but I still went Vargas. 
Okay. I went I went Vargas six. Then seventh I gave to Broner. Um eight, nine, and ten I went Broner. <clears throat> yep, same here. <clears throat> and then eleven and twelve I went Vargas. I thought he won those last two rounds. Eleven I went Vargas. That round was pretty close and pretty tough for me to score, but I went Vargas. And then the last round I went Broner. So we get a draw. You know, you had the draw. I had Vargas winning. Two judges had the draw. One judge had Broner winning. And Adrian Broner just... I just don't... I've never seen somebody act like a goddamn juvenile delinquent in my entire life in a public setting like this. Where... He tried to snatch the microphone from Jim Gray, who wasn't having it, by the way. No, Jim, why is everyone always messing with Jim Gray, man? I don't know, Jim Gray's a badass. That dude should get a title for his defense, man, because that dude's D. But everyone, you know, always be get, everyone always be coming here, at Jim Gray. It's hilarious. Here here comes Jesse. It's all the Mal Heyman fighters, man. He gets the problem, guys, apparently, on Showtime. Oh, um, man. But then, then you get you get Jesse Vargas, who's trying to be humble, trying to trying to get the crowd to stop booing and to talk about the fight. And you know, he's like he's like, we went at it, man. It was a good fight. And what does Bronner start doing? That's gay. That's gay. You gay. That's gay. Are you, are you kidding me? Adrian Broner is the biggest clown I have ever seen in boxing, man. This dude is a scrub, and it pisses me off that so many people like watching this dude and think he is so good with half of what he does because, yes, he's a talented fighter. I won't discredit that. But once again, this dude has no respect. He he wants to be – you know, they, they spent more time talking about how he had a fake Twitter beef with Takashi 6ix9ine or whatever, comes out oh, to yeah. his beat music, and he spends more time dancing with his stupid flurry or fury, fluffy clothing than than what he did in the – it just it, – it, it, dude, it, it really bothers me that this dude continues well, I, to get put in these high situations, and this is how he wants to act. I think um, I think a lot of people are getting sick of his act, though. I mean, if Curtis King Jr., if you're listening, um, he uh, actually posted something on Facebook just about how how like he's so sick of him and how he just he's he's frustrating and annoying and he has all the talent in the world and our standing eight count page right now for everybody if if anybody's on and they want to get on it. But um, I just wanted to backtrack for one second when we were talking about the rounds. Round eight, I made a little note about the score when I was scoring round eight. Like, I couldn't believe Vargas stayed up on, at the end of round, like, eight. Because Broner hit him with some hellacious, like, like three or four punches, like, at the end of the round that just, like on the money, clean, and Vargas stood up. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that or not, but... Yeah, but no, that, that dude fought. That dude had a chin. Yeah. So, but going back to his antics post-fight, um, yeah, I I just... I wasn't surprised by it. It's just what I, what I expect from him. 
You know, he comes out and only fights for half the fight, and then he gets mad that he doesn't get the decision, you know? Didn't I, it seem just... like he was just so much more... Like, didn't, didn't it just feel like he was worse than normal? Like, no, I think I think he actually... I think he looked... This is the best he's looked to me in No, I'm, in I'm a not while. talking about his performance. Oh. I'm talking about after the fight. We oh, know yeah. he always has the attitude. I just... It, it rubbed me the wrong way that this dude came out sounding like the biggest whining bitch I have ever heard him. I, I've never heard somebody complain like this. Look at his face. Look at my face, man. He's scarred. He bleeds. Look at me. You know, he's coming out doing this. Aaron. And Jesse Vargas, kudos to him, kept his cool. I just, what do you mean? I won nine rounds. I run ten rounds. Ah, man, he's, don't be talking to me that way. You gay, man. Like, it was, one thing. It was, it was the worst performance I've ever seen from him after a fight. I will say this. Like, I think he realizes that he really needed a big win to stay irrelevant. And since he didn't get that win, he probably figured, oh, I better show out like never before after this fight so, so I still stay relevant so people still talk about me. Because if you notice... Like before he before he went on his rant, he was talking to Vargas and being all cool and stuff. And even after the rant, he was like over talking with Vargas's corner, like shaking hands and talking with Vargas's corner. And then I think him and Vargas were talking like after that big rant. So I think he's just he's he acts like this to stay relevant to make up for his bad performances. Which is my opinion. And, you know, realize that he looked worse than he did in the ring. Yeah, but people are still going to talk about him and probably still want to see him lose or see him get beat up, so he's still going to get fights. It's just, let's, now I'm going to pull into this. Jordan, thanks for waiting patiently, man. Floor is yours, bro. You know, uh, it's really interesting because I I didn't know if anybody else caught it or not, but uh, Elijah definitely hit it right on the head. The pre uh, the pre happening of that press conference or that uh, that post fight rather, where he's sitting there talking back and forth with uh, with 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 him, um, and then and then suddenly he turns the switch, and and again you know the the that's gay the no homo the you know the the, the again the childish antics that you were you were you were mentioning, uh, you know, it was it was a little concerning for me and I thought it was it was. Um, I think if you wanted to make a difference or if you wanted to, to, to really turn ahead with that post-conference, uh, press conference for the right way, he would say, you know what, that's not right. I, I bust my ass that last six rounds, and that, you know, you should have been, uh, you know, and, and realistically, I mean, he, he fought a good fight. There was a lot of close rounds, um, certainly enough for a draw. But, uh, you know, he said, you know what, I bust my ass. That's not a draw. I won that fight. Let's go again. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he should have called for it right then and there because then you could have the fact that you had. Yeah, Vargas, but but Vargas did also just to you know to get in that like again that weird hype build, which was again it was awkward because it did also it also just came really forced 
it seemed it seemed like a, a bad wrestling promo, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> no, I mean, just to keep it, to no, keep it I, going, I agree uh, with you. I agree. It, with you, it felt like they were. It felt like Vargas was acting. It felt like uh, it felt like to be honest, Bronner, Bronner was for real, and 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 there was nothing about it that seemed legitimate. And if they really wanted to make it special, Bronner should have said "fuck that" and 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 went with it and said, you know, what, we're gonna fight again. Let's do it again. Build the next date right now. You know, instead he's you know getting childish and again bringing up Takeshi six nine. He ain't set foot in the ring, so why the hell? Yeah, why the hell are you even talking to him? Like, like you know what I mean? Like that's not gonna happen. So because that's so, Broner's yeah. homeboy now. Oh, I know, but, I know, but like uh, again, it's just one of those things that uh, again you want to you want to make a difference. Uh, you you want to really have people talk about Broner talk about the the potential the changed man that could have been in there. The other thing that bugged me was uh, also he goes through all that. You know the you know the. And then you know, then he thanks the Lord again. Like I, I can't deal with it. I, can't, I can't deal with it. I, mean, I want to thank the Lord. Like I mean, even Jim Gray rolled his eyes at that point. I mean, uh, his eyes, which may or may not have glaucoma, according to Bronner. Um, you know, uh, I, again, it was. I, 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 Jim Gray gets a lot of bad rap too, as far as it goes. But man, I, 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 <laughs> I just can't even. What the Really, really, really irritated me on Whoa. that one, and I, I lost me. Just lost me bad. What happened? What is the, what is going on? Okay, I don't know what the heck was going on. I'm sorry about that. Something on my computer went goofy. Oh, <laughs> we still hear you there. It's okay. But yeah, yeah when... again, it was just it was absurd. Absolutely, I just I can't even I can't even get behind anything he did. It, it was just one of those things like. Uh, it was cringeworthy at best, um, and it was just it was it was it was childlike and low uh, at its worst. And and I honestly I, I hope he does his stock does drop, and I hope he doesn't get a good fight on the next one because or something that I'd actually consider watching because uh, I'm tired of it. Yeah, he had a great fight. That's the sad thing is if you really want to take apart. I mean, oh, it was a good fight. Show. It was he, an excellent he had, fight. He had he had a, he had a great fight. We could have been, we could be talking about the fact that. You know, it, it uh, you know for this year for sure for this year at this point it'd probably be a top ten fight of this year. Definitely, it was a great you know, fight. You know, but like, but again, we're not talking about that. We're talking about him being a little child. You know, I'm, I I want to talk about some of the big rights. And also, his movement was solid late in those rounds. He was dodging some big hits, but he took a few. But yep. again, he, you know, he was rolling with some punches. He had some great counter punching, which which blew my mind. He was getting. Great counter shots in there, and uh, and but Vargas, to his credit, obviously, like you said, proved he had a big chin, and uh, and he ate those shots, man. Uh, and, and like you said, if he would, if Runner would have fought that fight uh, two to four rounds earlier, he wins that match hands down. Yep. Uh, and and yeah, that's just that's just a fact of the matter. But yeah, he's a little he's a little child. He, he, I and I, I I hope somebody else puts him on his ass. <laughs> It's it's frustrating, man. It's yeah. It's one thing I want to bring up again. Um, Kenneth Kevin Cunningham, man, that guy's like. I I really like that. I really I didn't know too much about him before today. I've heard about him. I heard he's a good trainer, but I mean, man, when he was in Bronner's corner, telling him that he needs the effing fight and he needs to let his hands go and he can't just like not do anything. Like I loved it. Did you notice oh, yeah. that? 
twelfth like, round, he told him twelfth round, he told him he needed to go out because he needed the knockout. He said he needed you need to fight like they need the knockout. And I thought that was that I thought that was amazing. You know, well, like even he, be, he, even he, before all that, like just on on all the rounds, he's like just kept harping on him, like, dude, you have to like throw punches. You ha- like if you throw punches, you're gonna easily beat this guy, and yeah. it just oh my gosh, I'm and you never got that out of his corner when Stafford was his trainer or Strafford or whatever his name is like his a trainer before. Mm-hmm. You never got that out of, out of Bronner's corner. A lot of it was just. He surrounded himself with a lot of yes men, and you're great, and you're doing fine, and whatever. But I felt like Cunningham really challenged him and was challenging him in this fight like you've never seen before, which is good. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, now, a big, I'm a big Cunningham fan. Yeah, I, I like him in the corner. I'll tell you that. I just I just need somebody to, to, get, to, to get him to uh, stop using his mouth after the fight, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it was it was either way. It was again top ten fight of the year, easy. But uh, but yeah, just it just left it with a bad taste in the mouth afterwards because again, just childish, flipping childish, man. It's true. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. It's just it's it's frustrating for the simple fact that this dude just comes out there and just I don't know. Oh, I don't okay. understand. I, Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Uh, but Ryan, did you cut my other my, my other sound clip? <laughs> no, no. I um I couldn't find one that was loud enough and clean enough. Um, you oh, are you, you got the only f bomb of the night, Jordan. So I didn't want to have two. I'm of sorry. Them. I'm sorry, but yeah, Vargas. My my favorite was Vargas. Obviously coming uh coming out of there and. and just because obviously we had a lot of fun with Manny Pacquiao with it, but uh, I love the fact that he, you know, uh, I thought I won the fight. And that was uh, that was. Kind of I didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a he didn't do nothing because he did do something. But dang, uh, I, yeah. I, I, nothing makes nothing makes me happier when I hear the phrases. I thought I won the fight, but. Just Vargas, I thought you won the fight too. Yeah, it, it was good. I honestly, I could see that. I could see the merit in the draw. I could even, I could even say you could steal one for. You could even steal one for Broder. To be honest. Um, yeah, round but, uh, eleven was super close to me, and it could have went either way for me, but I gave it to Vargas. But yeah, and I, I, I did round six. I think it was wait one, two, three. Yeah, I did round six. I put Vargas, but I put Slash Bronner. Like it was six was that close to me too, where it could have made it a draw too. So I'm right there yeah. with you. Yeah. I, again, I, I went back and finally got the Orioles those first six rounds, and, and yeah, I, I could I could argue literally either way, and I, honestly. It, I thought it was a quality draw. To be honest, I, I thought the last six rounds were some of the best boxing uh, as far as a fight goes. And, and uh, you know, because you saw everything. You saw some good counters. You saw some good, uh, some great hits. You saw some awesome combos. And they were both getting it in. And, and again, it's, it, uh, for me, you left on a sour note. And I just, I think the only thing worse than that would be, uh, you know, uh, Bob Arum or, uh, or, uh, or or her just coming in and talking at them. Oh, oh, Aaron. Yeah, we you know we're gonna give them uh, we're gonna give them you know a, a flat rate offer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know like like that's that's it that's it. Hey, you know, hey, show guys, I'm gonna cut out. That's I, I just awesome uh, having Shango on like that and man, but this but now I'm all amped up and pissed off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pictures of Bronner and throw darts at him or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that bitch off!
That's that's it, enjoying, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we don't want him to, to break anything. You know, it. it uh, I don't know. It, yeah. It irritates me, man, because this dude has so much talent, and he just goes in there and clowns, and they get me. You know, and and Jesse Vargas is leaves the ring, goes to do another post fight interview with some other network, and what happens? Bronner like. Jumps in and starts doing the interview with them, and Vargas is like, "I didn't see that." He d- yeah, I didn't see that. And Vargas kind of looks at him like, "Hey, Adrian, what are you doing?" And you know, I won the fight, man. Shout out to my boy Jesse. But I, you know, I know I won the. And, he, and he's like hijacking his interview with some random people. God, it's, yeah, it's on YouTube. You could, I mean, I'll, I'll try to find the link for you, but I can like find just, it. It's like, come on, dude. They're not even wanting to talk to you when you're jumping in. Yeah, I, I don't. He's a bitch, man. I his his I age think should be about Bronner, bullshit. About yeah, bullshit. it is it's not about. <laughs> it is AB to me stands for nothing more than an abrasive bastard, and probably the my least favorite abrasive fighter in the world. That dude, that's abrasive bastard. That that that's good. I just I look I I have wanted to like Bronner. I think he's super talented when he wants to do something. But you know what? I look. I'd rather watch Bronner get his ass kicked over over Danny Garcia. I never thought I'd say that about somebody. I'd rather watch Bronner get his ass kicked than Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I just don't have time for this dude. He's a clown. He's a scrub. He he doesn't deserve any. He doesn't deserve shit. The hell with that dude, man. He's trash. <laughs> He's trash. All right, just, so, <sighs> we moving on now? Yeah, let's because I'm just gonna keep complaining. Okay, so <laughs> we got two, me, we got man. two more fights left. So, I know you didn't watch the the Donaire Frampton fight, and I did. I don't have a like. It was a it was a decent fight. Not a ton to really talk about. I mean, I had I had um, Frampton winning most of the rounds. I think I gave Donaire two two okay. rounds, and there was a there was a few there's like one one other like really close one. But Frampton pretty much dominated the fight. I mean, he used jab combinations. He seemed to get off more than uh, Donaire did. He seemed to be the That's quicker, gay. faster fighter. Uh, oh yeah, oh okay, Broner. Sorry, I'm done. I I promise now I'm done. But um, had to get one more out of me. <laughs> but but it, like uh, Frampton just seemed to be quicker to the punch. He seemed to move better. He seemed to be like letting the shots go a little more, throwing a little more combinations. Um, Donaire basically was looking for the one punch, and there were times where Donaire hit. Frampton with some good shots where you're like, Ooh, maybe this could get interesting, but he just couldn't sustain anything. And to me, Donaire has not been the same since the Rigondeaux fight. Like the Rigondeaux fight, he seemed to abandon his jab and he solely seemed to rely on his hook that, you know, got him as far as it did. But he Mm -hmm. used to base like that. He used to base that off of his jab and, and he used to be a much, like, to me, a much better, like, technical fighter. And after that Rigondeaux fight, he just kind of went away from that and just started trying to land the one big punch. And it was 
very apparent in this fight that that's what he was trying to do, and he clearly got outboxed and was clearly outclassed, and Frampton won fairly easily. I will say this, though, watching the fight, the commentary was so pro Carl Frampton that I wanted to puke. <laughs> you know, wh- one thing I've noticed about about Donaire too is last three big fights have all been losses. Yes, he's got, you know, you know after Rigondeaux he's got you know two, four, six, you know he's seven and three, but you know he got he has wins over Ruben Garcia Hernandez and Cesar Juarez and Zlot Bidak, but. He fights Carl Frampton, he loses. He fights Jesse Magdaleno, he loses. He fights Nicholas Walters, he loses. Yes, he got that victor or Victor Chinian, but he loses to Guillermo Rigondeau. This dude has fought a lot of great fighters and, and won a lot of great fights. He beat Jorge Arce. Uh, you know, he, he beat uh, Toshiaki Nishioka back in 2012. That was a nice yeah. fight in, in California. Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. defeated. Fernando Montiel, he defeated. Um, Rafael Concepcion, he beat Raul Marquez, Luis Maldonado. You know, twice he beat Victor Chinian. Yeah, know, I mean, dude, he was a pound-for-pound guy at one point. He was the top pound-for-pound guy at one point up until the Rigondeaux fight. And like I said, I just think he just, like, he went away from stuff that made him really good, mm-hmm. and he got too reliant on his one big punch, you know. Do you? Do you think this is kind of it for him? Thirty-eight and yeah. five, forty-three fights. Is did he do enough to be a Hall of Famer? He's close. He's very like close for me. I don't know if he's like first ballot, but I could mm-hmm. see him eventually. I could see him eventually getting in. But I think I think he's. I don't know if he's going to retire yet, but I think he's done with meaningful fights. I think this is his last chance to really show that he had anything left in the tank on the big stage, and it just didn't look like he did. Well, I mean, he's lost two out of three, lost to Jesse Magdaleno, Carl Frampton. Um, I think I'm with you. Donito Donaire, hell of a career, beat a lot of hell of game fighters, but not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he's one of those guys where when you get to, like, year four or five, you're like, ah, Donaire's on the ballot. I'm going to vote for Donaire. And I think that's yeah. kind of how he may get into, you know, like a Ring Magazine Boxing Hall of Fame type thing. Yeah. Definitely. Amir uh, Khan, Phil Greco, which we kind of started talking about. Uh, the man of the hour that we beef about, along with Bob Arum, Eddie Hurt. Excuse me, Eddie Earn sitting in between him as Phil O'Greco gets a glass of water chucked in his face talking about my life and things like that. They take it to the ring. <laughs> didn't, didn't Phil O'Greco say like and you and you tweeted the champ that you could have have your leftovers or something? What is wrong yeah. with you? Like Yeah. Rick Collins not pleased. He's like, You're um, taking losses in the ring and you're taking losses out outside the ring? Like Logreco was on one, like when when, he when was. Khan was like, when Khan was like making fun of Logreco having like two chins, like he Logreco's like, yeah, I might have two chins, but you don't have a chin, you have no chin or something. <laughs> and he kept telling me he's like, that's why, and you want me to move down and wait? Obviously, I have two chins for a reason. 
Like, they, I, I'll flat out say this. I'm I'm looking to my right, above my uh, my nice my nice big collection of movies on, in my uh, my little my little studio here. There is a Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward Unified Light Heavyweight World Championship poster. One that I gave to you as well, Elijah. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you took it. I actually, I haven't, I haven't taken it yet. Still uh, there. So still here. I hope that those two guys had a spiral bound notepad and watched the Con Logreco uh, press conference because that is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was That's great. Like, that was great. Oh, that was so good. It was clowning, and then, then he gets slapped in forty seconds by Amir Khan. Amir Khan's like, "Look, man, I'm sick. Of you telling me I should be fighting Kell Brook? Ratata!" And just punished oh, man. Them. Did Lagreco even land? I don't think. I think Lagreco was like zero for two. Yeah, I don't think punches. he landed a punch. No, <laughs> I don't think he landed a punch. I wonder, if I, could, I wonder if I could find a like a scorecard with that on because I don't think he landed a punch. I don't think no, that was I, don't. I think he threw two punches and didn't land any. <laughs> so, with that, what do you think is next for Amir Khan? Ah oh, man, I don't like. If I'm him, I don't know if I. I don't know if, if I'm him. I don't know if I fight. I don't know if I fight Brook. Like, because Brook is up. Brook is up at like one fifty four now, isn't he? He's he he moved up, and we said last yeah. week that you know if if Amir Khan doesn't look like he can show up, then we know it might be over. But if he does what he usually does, but has his game plan on and gets a good decisive victory, maybe he does take that one more chance. You know, and we kind of listed the champions at 147 who he could fight. We listed the Spence, we listed the the Crawford Horn winner, we listed the Keith Thurman, we list we listed those guys. But I don't yeah. think we expected this type of a performance that we got against Phil Greco. I didn't expect, I didn't, I wasn't expecting a, a knockout in 38 seconds, but I watched some of Phil Greco and he's decent, but he's nothing special in a like elite fighter. Like Khan, I figured would have, you know, easily won a unanimous, unanimous decision or like maybe stopped him like later on in the fight. But I didn't, I didn't expect Khan to come out like bang, like, coming after him like he did. I mean, man, if, if Khan can can look this good, he might be trouble for 147 because he looked strong. He looked fast. I mean, we uh, we, we might be sleeping on Khan. He might yeah. be able to do, still do some damage. And that's that's what I wanted to bring up is maybe we were a little hard on him. Um, talk about hit, no could hit. According to CompuBox numbers, Amir Khan didn't absorb any punches during his KO victory over Phil LoGreco on Saturday. LoGreco threw and missed two jabs and threw no power punches during the 39-second fight, or 30 seconds, 30 second, 39 seconds that lasted. Khan connected on 11 of 21 punches. 20 of those were power punches. So he threw 21 <laughs> punches. One was not a power punch. Yeah, he 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 was he was coming for blood for blood last night, man. Or like, was it yesterday? He was out um, for blood. Um, wrap it up here. Shows shows, Ardvark Beaver for AB uh, Adrian Bronner from Jordan. Ain't like boxing. Ain't boxing. I still like. Uh, I I still want to trade. Asshole bitch. <laughs> I feel like a brace of bastard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trade. Yeah. 
I might tweet it to him. Maybe he'll uh, call Fra- or call Bra- Frotch me. Abrasive bastard or ab- about bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tweet you. Look, I'm gonna tweet him, and if he maybe if he clowns me, he can come say what's up. But I'll I'll, I'll be an internet tough guy on his ass. I don't even care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once again, uh, Jamal Shango James, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It was a tremendous show. Next week we got a couple guests up in the air. We don't know where we're gonna go. We'll have it figured out later in the week. We'll get links out. People can be excited about it. Obviously, first two weeks of May are going to be all about the Gennady Golovkin, Veins, Mario Rosen, and the Vasilovchenko fight. We did not get any into any news and rumors tonight. We're running out of time. I got to skedaddle because I got to do a couple things, or I would love to go into extra time, Elijah. I do apologize. I got to uh, be up. There. I got to be up at five tomorrow morning. So okay, cool. You're in the boat that I am. We we yeah. we both have uh, real life jobs again, so <laughs> we got to handle that. But uh, uh, tomorrow, WrestleCast Radio, six p.m. Central Standard Time. We got a lot of good stuff talking to you. But Tuesday night, eight p.m. Central Standard Time, our NFL mock draft with you, the callers. We got almost every team covered, but about nine or ten teams. So we're going to drop that on you. All the guys here at Strong Style Media are going to be taking a team. Uh, we'll be doing some talking with it, dropping some knowledge. And then after our mock draft, Chris Ransom from Draft Utopia will be on answering your draft questions if nice. you got them. If you got something to ask, Chris Ransom is bitch. <laughs> Who's, who, I'm, I'm intrigued to see who Demtris is going to take for the 49ers. Yeah, uh, we we talked maybe, about maybe, a bit. maybe Carl maybe Carlos Hyde maybe he'll think Carlos Hyde is like in this draft this year. I was like, man, I saw some mocks that had Saquon Barkley falling to you guys at nine. He's like, didn't we just get a running back? And I said, well, we got you got Jared McKinnon, but he ain't no Carlos Hyde, is he? And he just stopped <laughs> talking to that. <laughs> Shout out to them just drafted, but it's gonna be fun. We're gonna we're gonna rock and roll. Um, all the leftover teams, myself and Jordan, are going to take. If the draft continues to go along and we still have teams, Elijah is going to jump in as well and help us flip some picks around so we can get through all the draft. But uh, yeah, we got NFL draft. We got Chris Ransom on. It's going to be fun. We got some great stuff coming at you. Thank you all for listening. Once again, I'm shout out shock Circular. The world. I'm going to shock <laughs> the world if my guy is available for Miami. If my guy is available no. at that at that pick. No. Shout out to Nick Piccarelli getting mad at uh, not being able to pick for the Vikings, too. Nick Piccarelli uh, coming at him hard here with some New York love. The mad scientist is going to be in the building. <laughs> we got we got a mad scientist. We got the draft utopia. We got a little bit of get to know him, especially get Nick Hagberg. We got everybody coming in. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be a fun-ass show. I can't wait. Shout out once again, uh, COD. Jamal Shango James, Elijah setting everything up as also as he always does, being the uh, the OG of the uh, the setup. I'm excited, great show as always. Elijah, I can't wait to uh, do some NFL on Tuesday with you. For everyone else, we'll catch you off 6 p.m. Central Standard Time tomorrow. WrestleCast Radio, we out.